0: This is Chris Brooks. Thank you for listening to this edition of Equip. Be sure and subscribe for free so that you don't miss an episode. For more information, visit our website, equipradio.org. Chris Brooks here, and I want to thank you for listening to this edition of Equipped. Did you know that we are funded by the generosity of listeners just like you? As we approach the end of this year, would you please consider giving a special gift to this ministry? Just call 888-644-4144 or give at equipradio.org. Please enjoy the following
1: pre-recorded encore presentation of Equipped with Chris Brooks.
0: Well, hey there, friends. Welcome to another exciting edition of Equip with Chris Brooks. So thrilled that you've joined me today. Can you do me a favor? Strap on your seatbelt. We're gonna navigate through the contours of culture, as always, with the lens of the biblical worldview on. But before we do that, let me remind you, this is the day that the Lord has made. He has given it as a gift so that you and I can rejoice and be glad in it. So let's do just that. Let's follow the words of the Apostle Paul. Let's rejoice in the Lord always and again. I say rejoice. Today, I am so thrilled and fired up to be with you. Let me start by saying thank you. Thank you for the privilege of sharing this hour with you. Thank you for our partners who make it possible through your monthly prayers and support for the program. Uh, The topic for today is simple. It is to know God and to enjoy Him. You know, this sums up life, that we are to uh, know God and to enjoy Him. This is what... The Shorter Westminster Catechism starts with it is the chief end of man as described in that catechism. It is the ultimate purpose of our lives. If you were challenged with that question, what is the ultimate aim or purpose of life? I hope your response would be to know and enjoy God forever. But how do we do that? And I think there are a number of ways, a myriad of ways that God has given us to do that. Today, I want to talk about a few of those pondering his word, uh, reflecting on creation, and considering the great wisdom that has been passed down to us from those who have come before us often and uh, that have reflected deeply on the grace that we have received through Christ. I would love to encourage you today, and I believe that both our guest and the resource that we'll feature today will do that. Our guest is Tim Challies, and uh, he has. Most recently, I produced a book entitled Knowing and Enjoying God. It's a graphic book that I believe will help you to grow in your devotion, your love for God, but also in your wisdom as well. Subtitled Words from the Wise. Tim is a Christian and husband of Aileen a father of two girls in their teens, so we're praying for him. I'm a father with a teenage daughter, so I get that. He also has one son who is waiting for him in heaven, Nicholas. Uh, He worships and serves as an elder at Grace Fellowship Church in Toronto, Canada. He's a writer, a blogger, and a book reviewer. He is co-founder of Cruciform Press and has written a number of books, including Do More Better, Visual Theology, which we've discussed both here on this uh, program, also his latest, uh, Knowing and Enjoying God. Tim, how are you, brother? I'm doing well, thank you. Hey, it's great to be with you, and uh, so happy to have this book, this collection in my hand. Before we get going, how are the good folks of Grace Fellowship Church doing? Uh, Thanks
2: for asking. We are doing great. We are. Meeting together Sunday by Sunday outdoors. Currently, we're still under quite a lot of restrictions here in uh, Ontario. So meeting outdoors and realizing the colder weather is coming in a hurry. So uh, starting to try and figure out indoor solutions. But the Lord's been very kind to us. And uh, yeah, God has been good.
0: Yeah, well, I appreciate uh, the fact that you and the rest of our brothers and sisters in Canada who have, uh, you know, just from the news that we've seen, faced Uh, a number of challenges, as we all have, have maintained fellowship with one another and have uh, kept your focus on uh, Christ being exalted in your lives and super encouraged by your ministry. Hey, I want to talk about uh, this book. In many ways, it is the product of something you have been doing for a while. Can you really talk about the origin story of knowing and enjoying God?
2: Sure. Yeah, I guess there's sort of two stories that coalesce in this book. One is the story of theology, loving God, wanting to know God better. The other is loving graphics and um, loving quotes and wanting to combine those. So um, many years ago, I started collecting quotes, just interesting quotes I found in books and other places as I was reading. And I started sharing them through so- social media and realized, you know, I think more people would be interested in these if I combined them with a nice looking graphic. And uh, so sort of in the early days of Instagram and other uh, visual social media like that. So I started building these quote graphics, I call them square quotes, and uh, started distributing those through social media and people picked up on them and enjoyed them. And uh, one day had the thought, Maybe I can combine those, create some new ones, combine them with a little devotional. That might be a nice little resource for people. And uh, lo and behold, knowing and enjoying God was the, the fruit of that.
0: You know, it's interesting because I believe that the church more and more uh, should be providing content, if you will, that empowers believers to effectively share their faith. And um, in in a digital uh, format and forums where we all uh, tend to do life and interact, the impact of these uh, share quotes has been, I would imagine, even uh, outstripping what you anticipated.
2: Yeah, absolutely. They've gone far and wide, been translated. There's various translations of them you can find out there. And um, you know, years ago I was really convicted of the power of quotes, and that really came from reading older authors, and especially the Puritans, who love to say things at great length and then distill it down to a very short sentence or paragraph. And I always found such value in that. Explain it, do all the work you need to do, but then just give us the exact same thing, but this time in a much, much condensed format. And uh, I I fell in love with quotes. And then, yes, wanting to get those out through social media, wanting to convey them in a way that uh, is suitable to modern media was the real
0: challenge and the joy of it. Hey, Twitter is set up for quotes. Uh, You know, I think about some of our most tweetable leaders of the past, right? Church leaders of -hmm. the past. But it is, in some ways, a much more difficult uh, task to say something of theological importance in a succinct way than it is to, like me, be long-winded, isn't it?
2: Oh, absolutely. Um, it is easy to say things at great length and to, to hedge them in on every side and to provide all the nuances and everything else. But there is such joy when you can distill that down to its very essence. And you know, Dwight uh, Moody has this great old quote: "Some people's prayers need to be cut off at both ends and set on fire in the middle." what a great quote you can preach a whole sermon about how to pray simply and succinctly and tersely but you read a quote like that exactly uh he he just nails it right there
0: i love to hear from our friends that are listening right now quotes that have come powerful quotes that reflect uh, the word of god that communicate something concerning god's character his mission in 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 the earth his work of grace in your life. I'd love to hear what quotes has shaped your life at 877-LIVE-675, 877-548-3675. Tim, in a moment, I'm going to ask you that question, what quotes have shaped your life the deepest, but talk a little bit more about Jules Coblund. uh, uh I, I want to make sure I'm pronouncing her last name right. It is Koblon. Koblon. yep. Yep. And talk a little bit about her, but in – in context of the graphic age that we're living in. I, I think every generation is visual in nature. I even think Hannah Moore, when you think about the Clapham sect and what they did in overturning slavery, introducing um, uh, this, this sense of awakening the moral conscience to the world, used graphics. So this isn't necessarily new, but talk about uh, what Jules brings to the book and why it's so important for this generation. Jules
2: is a very talented designer who lives not far from here, goes to a church not far from here. And we just met uh, virtually. I was looking for an artist and sort of broadcast that out that I was looking for someone, and uh, she got in touch and showed me some of her work, and I thought, yeah, she and I are very compatible in our, our vision for this. And so it was my job to make the, to find the quotes and then to um, do the little devotionals. It was her job to make it look beautiful. And she did just a fantastic version of that. Uh, just just a great job in making it look wonderful. Um, and then the publisher as well did a really good job of packaging it up into what's really a, a beautiful little book. And as you mentioned, the uh, the Clapham sect, I think that's an excellent example of people who used visuals very well. Um, my previous book, I traveled the world looking for historical objects through which I could tell about the Christian faith. And, yeah, some of the things I found were very much yeah. in that vein, very powerful visual um, representations of truth or of, in this case, uh, egregious error through the slave trade and so on.
0: Yeah, you know, we all know what it's like to be gripped, our hearts to be gripped by uh, pictures, uh, by photos, by paintings. uh, recently, here in my hometown of Detroit, there's been a Van Gogh exhibit. It's a traveling exhibit, international exhibit called Beyond Van Gogh, and it covers the history of his life, but also his paintings. And my wife and I, uh, for our anniversary, just uh, went to to this uh, event, and uh, I'm telling you there's something about the awakening again of the imagination, when you combine quotes with graphics. But why is that so critical uh, for uh, advancing the gospel, maybe even sharing God's word in this generation? You did your visual theology, very graphic heavy. Why is it so important for this generation?
2: Yeah, and I don't know that it's a whole lot more important for this generation than for any other, but Christians should be where the ideas are being shared. And so when the printing press came along, Christians were the first in there to take full advantage of the power that it now offered humanity. Um, you think of uh, really the Reformation could not have happened apart from the printing press. And hopefully as the internet becomes, what you might consider the new printing press, you know, the way ideas are now being traded, the, the main medium, um, you, you hope that Christians are very much there, very much participating. And uh, making stuff that's just as beautiful, just as attractive, just as helpful as uh, what the world, what non-Christians are making. And so that was really part of our challenge is how can we produce content that really is high quality, beautiful, and meaningful?
0: What are means of grace for those who don't know?
2: Yeah, means of grace are what some people would refer to as spiritual disciplines. There'd be a fair bit of overlap there or just the habits through uh, We integrate into the Christian life, things like scripture reading and prayer, but really means of grace admit that God has grace and we need grace. So God has something we need that we lack in and of ourselves. And as we talk about the means of grace, we're talking about what are the means God uses uh, through which his grace comes from him to us. And uh, you, if you poll humanity, you'll find all sorts of answers to that, um, how God dispenses grace to people. Uh, but the Bible narrows it down to a relatively short list of means, and uh, Christians, Protestants especially, have long focused on those and said, these are the means through which we can truly know God, have a living, vital relationship with our God.
0: So mention some of those, because I think it's important.
2: yeah. So the ones we talk about most, of course, are scripture and prayer. And so God speaks primarily to us through scripture. That is his infallible, inerrant revelation of himself. And then we speak to God through prayer. And so right there, we have the the dynamic of a true real relationship speaking and listening god speaks and we listen and then we speak and god listens and we hear it often christianity is not a religion it's a relationship well christianity is a religion and a relationship it's both um, it's a religion premised on a real relationship with god and so scripture and prayer are foundational um, and you can go a little deeper into something like meditation which perhaps combines scripture and prayer not eastern style meditation where you empty your mind but true christian meditation where you fill your mind and pray and ponder the deep things of god and then the means of grace god gives us through the church and so you think of uh, baptism and lord's supper and just the fellowship with the saints all these means through which god conforms us to his image
0: and you call these means of grace the spiritual disciplines or habits a privilege in what way are they a privilege They're a privilege because God does not owe them to us. We are the ones who destroyed
2: the relationship we had with God through our sin. And so humanity is fully liable for the lost relationship, broken relationship. But it's God's grace that he reached out to us and began to restore what we had taken. And so what a privilege it is that God initiates that relationship. He reaches out where we had
0: uh, tossed him aside. You know, before we go to break, uh, have you done the tabulation to see who you quote the most? I have not, actually. (laughs) No, I haven't. I I, I will tell you, as I've uh, perused your book, obviously, you can see how the Puritans have shaped your life. You can see how thinkers have shaped your life in in profound ways. But it seems to me that J.I. Packer really uh, gets a lot of prominence in your thinking, and uh, and I love that. Before we go to break, I want to just read this quote. Uh, J.R. Packard says this, What were we made for? To know God. What aim should we have in life? To know God. What is the eternal life that Jesus gives? To know God. What is the best thing in life? To know God. What in humans gives God most pleasure? Knowledge of himself. Those are the words of J.R. Packard. You find them graphically beautifully displayed in the book, Knowing and Enjoying God, Words from the Wise. I wonder what quotes have shaped your spiritual life, what quotes have helped you to uh, maybe navigate through what it means to live in a fallen world, reflecting on the goodness and the grace of God. Love to hear from you at 877-LIVE-675-675. That's 877-548-3675. Tim is going to stick with me over this break, but while we're on break, why don't you go to the website find out how you can order a copy of Knowing and Enjoying God at equipradio.org. We'll be right back. On Equip, we tackle the tough issues, and there sure have been many this past year. But we continue to confront them with the relevant biblical truth of the gospel. As we turn to a new year, will you join our Christ-centered approach by becoming an auto-gift monthly partner? Keep Equip on the air in your community and across the nation. Your $30, $50, or $85 a month gift will make a huge difference in this new year. Equip yourself and make a difference for Christ and his kingdom at the same time by calling 888-644-4144 or go to equipradio.org. Welcome back to Equip with Chris Brooks. Tim Chalice is my guest today. We're talking about his newest book, Knowing and Enjoying God. These are Uh, Share quotes. They are quotes that are laid at the backdrop of beautiful graphics, compiled and connected with devotionals that will encourage your heart, help to deepen your relationship with God, and an understanding of the grace that we have received through Christ. I've also asked you to join the conversation at 877-LIVE. 675 to share some quotes that maybe have shaped your Christian journey. Let's go to Mark in Aurora, Illinois. Hey, Mark, thanks for listening to equip. What quote really has spoken to your heart?
3: Well, I have a couple of comments on it, and then I want to tell you where Lewis used it. He was strongly influenced by George McDonald and George McDonald said, heaven is the region of, where there is only life, and therefore all that is not music is silence. And first of all, um, music versus noise. If you use an electronic device called an oscilloscope, you'll find that noise has a random disorderly waveform, but music has an organized and more orderly waveform, even rock music even rock music, and the other thing is that any good composer will put silences in his music that are meaningful, and those silences are called rests, and when Lewis used this quotation, he um, was speaking through his devil screw tape, and screw tape says, ever since Satan took over hell, Every square inch of it has been covered by nothing but noise. And imagine having to spend eternity surrounded by nothing but noise. Mm. And so here we have George MacDonald saying, heaven is the region where there is only life, and therefore all that is not music is
0: silence. I appreciate you sharing, Mark. Thanks for calling. Obviously, Tim, when you hear someone like Mark share, you 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 hear not only the quote and the impact of the quote, but you also hear history playing into uh, his um, his understanding, the depths of this uh, this quote, but you also uh, hear a, a great sense of catechism. Talk about how these share quotes can open the door to pretty profound catechism moments.
2: Mm-hmm. First, he's absolutely right. C.S. Lewis was one of the most quotable people in the history of Christianity. He was just incredible in his ability to distill things down to their essence. And yeah, quotes really can have that teaching function because good quotes anyways are premised on truth and um, they do distill truth down to its very essence. Um, but one of the things we need to be careful of is that a quote by definition doesn't say everything. It approaches truth from one angle. So it's yes. true only so far as it goes. And um, if, you, if you were to follow the comments on just about any quote I've ever posted, you'll see somebody object to it because it doesn't say everything. It says <laughs> one thing and approaches yes. it from one angle. So the joy of a good quote is it's, it's a lozenge. It's something to suck on for a long time. It's not, you know, a, a crunchy little chewy candy that's gone in an instant. It's something you, you have to ponder, something you let work deep into your life. And I could hear as he quoted us from Lewis via McDonald, you could see how that, just the way he spoke, it sunk down into his life. It's very meaningful for him. Uh, much like poetry, when somebody recites a poem that's been very precious, you can just hear as it comes out. There's, It, it comes right out of the soul, and I love that.
0: Yeah, I love uh, the value that it has also to connect us to church history. Um pretty passionate about the study of church history as a spiritual discipline, uh, and and I think there's so much power in that. You quote John Piper as saying, books don't change people, paragraphs do, sometimes sentences. Unpack that for us. What does that mean?
2: If you read an entire book, most Christian books are going to be, let's say, 180 to 240 pages, somewhere in that range. You read all that. You spend... $20 on the book and read it and you get one sentence out of that book that changes your life, you have done well. That is, that is plenty of reward for reading and paying for that book. And I think that's what Piper is trying to get at. You can read a whole book. You're not going to absorb the entire contents of the entire book, but if there's one thing in there that changes you, just one sentence in there that really just changes your thinking. So you're now closer to understanding God as he is, or one habit, is instilled in your life then then that's fine and it's not the book that's changed you in that sense it's just that one sentence and that's your takeaway and and that's comforting for those of us who read books and then not only forget the content of the book but maybe forget that we even read the book um as i think has happened to many of so us sometimes we pick it up and realize oh i've already read it. i've got no, margin notes in here and yet sometimes it's just that one sentence is plenty
0: yeah and and honestly you know you if you as you said get a book and a sentence is is profound enough to shape your thinking, the way you live, an idea is captured from it. It really is worth uh, every penny. Let's quote Sam Storms here. Uh, you, you quote Sam Storms in your book as saying, each of us is under a divine mandate to become an amateur astronomer to peer into the incalculable depths of sky and space to behold the handiwork of our omnipotent creator. That is quite the quote. It is uh, in reference, obviously, to his reflections on Psalm 19, uh, verses 1 and 2. I'll read this. You say in the devotional on page 19, the great uh, poet David looks uh, to the night skies and pours out his heart in praise to God quoting psalm 19 the heavens declare the glory of god and the skies above proclaim his handiwork day to day pours out speech and night to night reveals knowledge sam storms who is he and 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 what about us becoming amateur astronomers speaks to your heart
2: yeah sam storms is a pastor theologian and um done a lot of writing actually a lot of writing on many different topics Um, But one of his emphases is this very thing, which is God speaks through creation. So God provides his inerrant, infallible revelation of himself through scripture. That's where he gives us very particular knowledge of his ways and his will for humanity. But God speaks in a general way through creation as well. So creation tells of his existence. Creation tells of his power. Uh, No person who's ever lived can deny the existence of God in a way that actually Holds up because God has revealed himself through creation. And so Storms is saying each of us needs to be an astronomer. Each of us needs to go and look at the night sky and and hear, see what it tells us about our God.
0: What quotes have shaped your life? I want to hear from you at 877-LIVE-675, shaped your spiritual growth and development. Let's go to Linda, who's listening in Chicago. Hey, Linda, what quote has shaped you? Hi. Uh, The the golden rule, do unto
2: others as you will have them do unto you. And that's a quote from the Bible.
0: You are always permitted to quote the Bible. That always is a good source in quotation. I'm grateful. And obviously those are words to live by. I often uh, talk about this with my children uh, and how we, we treat others. Uh, And uh, I appreciate you, Linda, sharing your heart in that. Uh, Those are one of that's a passage of scripture, Tim, that obviously uh, has become popular and profound for many.
2: Yeah, and you, you think about do unto others as you would have them do to you. You realize you can spend your entire life surrendering yourself to the Lord, growing in godliness. You will never actually master that. Uh, we we do our utmost. God challenges us. We we take hold of his means of grace. We strive and strive to be more like Christ, but uh, there's a lifetime's worth of challenge just in that little golden rule. It's incredible.
0: We have to take another break, but I think about the encouragement of your book to relationship with God, to deepen our relationship with God, Through communion with Him and communication, both receiving His word to us through the Scriptures, but also through prayer. H. B. Charles Jr. quoted in, in in your book says, "Prayer is not a scheduled appointment with a busy executive; it is quality time with a loving Father." I love that. I hope and encourage you. To spend time in prayer today. We're going to take more of your calls. These breaks give you opportunity to learn more about our guests and the resource. Go to our website, equipradio.org. Whatever you do, stick and stay. Much more to come next up on Equip with Chris Brooks. If you're looking for a fresh way to look at the nativity story, then join author Nancy DeMoss Wagamuth in reflecting on the wonder of Christmas through song. Born a Child and Yet a King is a 31-day devotional filled with fresh insights on the miracle of Christmas as you meditate on the greatness, glory, and goodness of our Savior. The devotional is yours with a gift of any amount to equip in December. Simply call 888 644 4144 or go to equipradio. You're listening to a pre recorded encore presentation of Equipped with Chris Brooks. Welcome back to Equip with Chris Brooks. Today I am interviewing writer, blogger, book reviewer, husband, father, Tim Chalice on his newest resource that I believe will be a blessing to you and to. Uh, maybe even your church, your small group. It's called Knowing and Enjoying God, Words from the Wise. And uh, it's a devotional that is full of great quotes from great Christian thinkers and leaders from generations past to the contemporary. And uh, it is all graphically beautiful as it is laid out. And I'm so grateful for Tim joining me today. I'm grateful for the book. Tim, so many are calling. Uh, Let's go to northern Idaho. I see Eric is on the line. Hey, Eric, thank you so much for listening to Equip. What's your quote, brother? Hey, so uh, the quote that I came up with is one that actually really impacted me. It's from the play called
1: Shadowlands. um, That's about a certain part of C.S. Lewis's life. Mm -hmm. Uh, I'm not sure if it's actually a quote from him or if it's just for the play, but it goes – We are like blocks of stone out of which the sculptor carves the forms of man. The blows of his chisel, which hurt so much, are what make us perfect. Um, And then the next part goes on to say, uh, The suffering in the world is not the failure of God's love, but it is that love in action. For believe me, uh, this world which seems so real is nothing more than the Shadowlands. True life has not yet begun. Um, And this has really impacted my life because my wife and I, we went through seven years of uh, infertility, um, and yeah. uh, luckily, thank God, we we have finally been able to have our our own biological children—one uh, one-year-old—and we have another one on the way in November. Um, but this was something that really hit home, um, and even just continuing to to dive deeper into the to the word of you know count blessing, uh, brethren, when you face trials in this world, and the thing is that the trials don't always come from other people but the trials could just be from life itself um, that we are called to live through so that it strengthens us and prepares us uh, for another point in life. And then also to, to lead others that we may know and love and help them through the trials that they may come across as well.
0: Eric, I appreciate your transparency. I appreciate you reminding us of this uh, powerful quote from the shadowlands, the blows of his chisel, which hurt so much are what makes us perfect. Uh, Why don't you stay on the line, Eric? I'd love to get you a copy, a complimentary copy of Tim's book. I hope that it's a blessing and encouragement. Our team will get your information and send it right over to you. Um, Listen, pain is a part of life. And uh, so many of your quotes, Tim, throughout this book reflect that. Um, What are your thoughts when you hear Eric? Two things. First, that sometimes quotes
2: don't need to be from the original author to still be meaningful. So I don't know if Lewis actually said that, but it's kind of like the uh, Eric Little quote from Chariots of Fire that he never actually (laughs) said, when I run, I feel God's pleasure. It's a great quote. He never said it. Let's go with it anyways because it's it's perfect. Um, And, you know, you find that. A lot. Mm-hmm. Um, and another thing is, oftentimes you find many people use the same quote. And so I've read variations of that sort of thing that God is uh, chipping away at us, that He's the master carver, the master sculptor who's creating us, forming us into the image of Christ. Um, and He's the one who brings um, difficulties or superintends or permits difficulties in our life, however you want to see it. For his own glory, for his own purposes, and through it all, he's he's doing something good, even when it doesn't feel like it.
0: I love your reflection on the value of a quote, even if you aren't sure uh, the the original source. Uh, you know, I I know you would agree with this. Uh, the only caveat to that is if you are an author and you are writing something, you have to do your due, due diligence and make sure you are citing well. You know, uh, Tim, one of the things that you and I share in common is um, three years ago, now approaching three years ago, uh, our oldest son, my wife and I, uh, our oldest son passed away, uh, Chris. And, um, you know, it's been a time of uh, understanding God's grace in ways that we hadn't uh, anticipated, planned, or even invited. Um, a deepening faith for sure, but as I read these words, um, it really spoke to me from Oswald Chambers, and it says this on prayer, we have to pray with our eyes on God, not on the difficulties. Um, It it goes on in the devotional to share about the trouble we face uh, in a fallen world. Um, Talk about that quote, but maybe what has uh, ministered to your heart through this season for you and your family?
2: Yeah, so uh, in November of last year, my son, he was 20 years old, a student at seminary, just very suddenly uh, passed away through an undiagnosed heart condition. And just like that, our lives were were torn apart and our hearts were broken and we were just left reeling. Um, And we were left very thankful that we knew God to begin with. When you know God, you know him as a friend. We, It is such a privilege for Christians that we get to know God as a friend. We had some Muslim missionaries come to our church on Sunday. And to be clear, I mean, Muslims who are missionaries trying to per- convert Christians and speaking to them, I could see they fear their God, but they don't love their God. They don't have a living relationship with their God. But we do, we spend our whole service just celebrating the relationship we have with God through Jesus Christ. When you know him, you know him as a friend. When bad things happen in your life or things that seem very bad, you still trust him because you know he's your friend and he wouldn't do anything to to hurt you or harm you because he loves you. And so we are so thankful that we had already developed that relationship with God, that we really knew him and trusted him and loved him as a friend. And then when very difficult things came along, we've had to fit them within that picture of God as somebody who's for us, who loves us, who's a friend to us.
0: I would love to hear your uh, the quotes that have shaped your spiritual journey, your walk with Christ at 877-LIVE, 675. I'd also encourage you to get this book, uh, Knowing and Enjoying God's Words from the Wise. I'd love for you to talk also, Tim, if you could, about how God initiates relationship with his people. Um, you, you just uh, gave us a little bit of insight in the difference between the way, uh, say, Muslims uh, relate to uh, their understanding of God, the way Christians relate to God. Um, unpack that more and uh, maybe connecting that to how God initiates relationship. Mm-hmm.
2: We are the ones who destroyed the relationship with God. God created us as his friends. He created us to be in relationship with him, to walk and talk with him, as Adam and Eve did in the garden. Uh, There was to be a perfect relationship. Um, And yet he put a tree in the garden that was essentially our test of submission. Will we continue to submit to God or will we rebel against God and show that rebellion by taking that, that fruit of the tree? We rebelled against God. And in that way, we became enemies of God. I mean, he, we declared God our enemy, and God simply responded to that um, in a way that was fair and right and just of Him to do. And so if there's to be any hope for us, it would have to be God who would make that way. We we wouldn't make our way to God. We we had declared him an enemy. And so God has so graciously reached out to us. He has chosen to reveal himself to us. He's chosen to give us scripture. He's chosen to send his very own son to, to live for us, to fulfill the requirements of the law, and to die for us, to um God's wrath on the, on the cross on our behalf. And so um, whatever grace we enjoy, whatever these means are through which God bestows his grace upon us, he is the one who has so graciously initiated them. And we're the ones who so joyfully freely respond to them.
0: I love uh, the, uh, the calls that we're receiving. Uh, Let's go to Jeff in Anderson, Indiana. Hey, Jeff wanted to get you on before a break. What's your quote?
3: I remember a book I read
1: called "Hearing God" by Peter Lord. Uh, the quote was very powerful to me: that prayer is dialogue, not monologue. Often we don't give God time to to speak, so we want Him to answer our prayer. You know?
0: Yeah, I think that's uh, that's such a uh, an important reminder. Thanks, Jess, for giving us a call. I'd love to get you a copy of Tim's book. Why don't you stay on the line? A complimentary copy is coming your direction. Just to say thanks for your listening and sharing. Tim, maybe a broader question than just a quote that was given, and that is, why did you choose to dedicate such a large portion of this book to quotes on prayer?
2: Oh, because I think prayer is a constant struggle for Christians. It is one of our foremost privileges. If you ever just stop and try and abstract a little bit, you know, just sit back from the idea a little bit and say, we can talk to the creator of the universe, the the God who has existed from all eternity, the God who is omnipotent, omniscient, and so on. I can talk to him and he will listen and respond. And that should absolutely blow our minds. But the way we tend to respond is, oh, I'm kind of busy. You know, I don't know that I really got time to talk to this God today. And so I think this is an area where uh, we just need to be constantly pushing ourselves to understand the privilege that's ours, and then to take advantage of it. What a what a joy that we can speak to this God, and then He commits to responding to our prayers, to answering our prayers. Um, that is just such an immense privilege. And so I just really wanted to push people to understand prayer better, and then to build habits of prayer. A lot of this book is about building good habits of relating
0: to God. What I love about the book too, is it reminds us that the means of grace, spiritual habits are um, so often communal and we forget that. And uh, your book reminds us that the means of grace are not just individual acts or activities we do. Talk about the, the church, the ecclesia, The community of believers.
2: Mm -hmm. We as Western Christians tend to think about everything, our faith particularly, in very individualistic terms. Um, But God has called us to be communal in the sense that there is this corporate dimension to all we do. Um, The Bible has no conception of a Christian who's not joined to a church, who's not part of a community And so the call upon us is not just to pursue these things on our own, just in the quiet of our own home or our own personal devotions, those are all good and and wonderful, but to join into a community of Christians and uh, to take advantage of the means of grace that are given only to community, things like baptism and Lord's Supper, which are through the church, not through individuals.
0: You were made for the church. And and that's another way of saying you were made for Christian community, for Christian fellowship. If you are an introvert, you were made for community, Christian community, Christian fellowship. If you have been wounded before, you too were made for the church, for Christian community, Christian fellowship. It's so easy for us in this hour, Tim, to simply wash our hands and walk away. My heart does break for those who have been spiritually abused. It's happening all too often. Uh, but I also recognize that the call of scripture is for us to dwell in community with other believers in as much as it is possible with us.
2: Yeah, absolutely. So that, uh, we are, uh, to different degrees, all damaged by this beautiful, wonderful thing called the church, um, in different ways, because the church is full of sinful people. And, um, That's really the way it ought to be, right? It's not a place for perfect people, but for people who know they need help. That's why we flock to the church. That's why we come to Christ, because we know our our own weakness and sin, and we will sin against one another. But the Bible addresses that as well, and the ways through which we can find hope and healing, even in the midst of the, the wounds we inflict upon one another.
0: John Angel James says these words. Before we go to our next break, I want to share them with you. They who would grow in grace must love the habitation of God's house. It is those that are planted in the courts of the Lord who shall flourish, and not those that are occasionally there. You know, those are uh, challenging words in many ways, but they are encouraging words for us to develop the habit of gathering together with God's people again in as much as it is possible with us Uh, but I do pray that in this season we get a chance to establish new rhythms that you would find yourself communing with God's people and in his house worshiping his name reminding yourself and others of the goodness the greatness and the glory of our God we'll be right back with more of equipped right after this As the year comes to a close here at Equip, we've seen so many lives change through our daily communication of the gospel. Help us to expand our reach by giving a year-end gift. Now, I know that some of you can afford to give gifts of $100 or $500 or even $1,000, and we thank you for your partnership. Really, any amount will help us in our mission to promote the gospel. Together, we can reach the world. Make a difference with a year-end gift today by calling 888-644-4144 or go to equipradio.org. Welcome back to Equip with Chris Brooks. So encouraged today. I hope you are as well. Tim Chalice has uh, carved out some time to be with us uh, to talk about the newest resource that he and Jules Cole Blunt uh, Blunt has uh, put together. It's called Knowing and Enjoying God, Words from the Wise. I want to encourage you to get a copy for you, your life group, your small group, as well as your church Let's, uh, you can find out more at equipradio.org. Let's go to the phone lines. William is listening in Chattanooga, Tennessee. Hey, William, thanks for listening. Thanks for your patience. What's your quote, my friend? I have a quote from uh, Richard Sibbs. He's a Puritan
1: author. A man in high communion with God is a man too big for temptations to conquer or troubles to overcome. Souls that have no communion or but little communion with God They are usually as soon conquered, as tempted, as soon vanquished,
0: as assaulted. And um, that's my quote. Wow. That's pretty profound. Uh, Tim, your thoughts? One of the things
2: I loved about the Puritans was their focus on duty. That's That's a word we don't like a whole lot today, to be dutiful toward other people or toward God. Um, but they used it a lot. They just spoke of the duties we owe God. Um, this was before John Piper was distinguishing between duty and delight, right? Or talking yes. about the duty of delight. Um, and I think there's something to be said for that. And communion with God was one of those duties they took very, very seriously. That they would really expect one another and themselves, Christians, to be communing with God. as just part of the duty they owed to God and joyfully gave to God. As the the savior of their souls, so and I really appreciate that uh, that one. There's there's a lot of good wisdom to draw upon, and in the that when we are dutiful before God, we're communing with God. We're putting ourselves outside the way of temptation. When we forsake God, we're putting ourselves in the way of temptation.
0: I love that. I so appreciate it. I asked you at the beginning, and I want to circle back around to the question. Um, I I know each one of these quotes may feel like uh, children, so it's hard to pick between them. Uh, But but has there been um, one or two that has uh, meant more to you than others that has really deeply shaped you?
2: Yeah, I think one of the quotes I put closer to the front of the book by Jerry Bridges is one that's been very important to me over the years, which is Your worst days are never so bad that you're beyond the reach of God's grace, and your best days are never so good that you're beyond the need of God's grace. Yeah. And so. It's so important to know that our relationship with God is not premised on our performance. We tend to think I'm only as I'm only as much within the graces of God as my last day's devotions. If I did well, I really feel like God loves me. If I do poorly, I feel like God must not love me. And that's just such a that's such a poor way to think about God, as if He's so petty and so easily put off of us. And then another one from Matthew Henry, very much in the lines of what I just uh, said before, is. When we are out of the way of duty, we are in the way of temptation. And I think that's been a universal human experience, that when we're not dutiful before the Lord, we're not uh, engaging in church, we're not spending time with the Lord, we're not meditating on His truths, suddenly, lo and behold, we find that temptation to sin is much stronger. And that's simply because we're not putting ourselves in the way of, of God's grace.
0: I want to close with these words. I love them by Tim Keller. The gospel is this. We are more sinful and flawed in ourselves than we ever dared believe. Yet, at the very same time, we are more loved and accepted in Jesus Christ than we ever dared hope. Man, those are great words to remember, Tim. And I'm so grateful that you've captured it in this book. How would you hope, Tim, that people would utilize knowing and enjoying God? Yeah,
2: great question. I'm hoping it proves to be simple devotional thoughts for people. And um, I've handed it to people who are struggling with devotions. Even back before this book exists, I would sometimes print out the, the graphics and write a little scripture verse on it and hand it to people I knew were struggling just to try and get them to build a habit. So I'm hoping that people can use it that way, This is a brief devotional resource, maybe right before bed, not to supplant the Bible, but to complement it. And then I'm also very hopeful that because it looks so nice, people will be able to give it to unbelievers and maybe they'll engage with it or just leave it out and people will pick it up and look at it. It really is, again, the, the publisher and Jules have done a beautiful job in putting it together, making it look very attractive. So I'm hoping it's going to have some evangelistic value as well.
0: Yeah, these quotes are not just meant to be consumed by us and remembered, but they are definitely meant to be shared. Uh, Tim, blessings to you and Aileen, uh, to the children. Know that you're in our prayers, brother, and we're grateful for you.
2: Thank you very much, Chris. Much appreciated.
0: Folks, you can find out more at our website at equipradio.org. I hope these quotes have meant a lot to you. I hope they've encouraged you. Uh, find a quote, share with a friend, but whatever you do, remember that God loves us deeply and that he wants us to never forget that. Equip with Chris Brooks is a production of Moody Radio, a ministry of Moody Bible Institute.